Welcome to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. Here's today's moderator, Rich Brady. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. I'm Rich Brady, CEO at the American Society of Military Comptrollers, the premier association representing finance and accounting professionals in the defense sector, and your host on The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. My guest today is Horace Blackman, Senior Vice President for Defense, Intelligence, and Space at CGI Federal. CGI Federal is a wholly owned subsidiary of CGI Incorporated. Since 1976, CGI has supported the federal government to achieve comprehensive, scalable, and sustainable IT and business goals focused on five broad areas, digital transformation, citizen engagement, operational excellence, protecting America's assets, and the federal workforce of the future. CGI Federal has grown over recent years, both organically and through strategic mergers and acquisitions, becoming a top 75 federal contractor by revenues. We are excited to have Horace on the show to tell us how CGI Federal got here, what he sees in the, as the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the defense sector right now, and where CGI Federal is headed in the future. Horace, welcome to the show. Rich, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, so let's, uh, as I mentioned in the opening, uh, CGI Federal's been around, or CGI is about, about 50 years now. Can you take us back to the beginning, uh, to how the company started, what their focus was, and really how it's grown over those uh, decades. So CGI, like many of the companies within the industry, has come from very humble beginnings. Uh, we, we literally started uh, as an idea on a whiteboard. And over 50 years, we have grown through uh, making sure we have strategic partnerships with our clients, uh, focusing on the mission, and making sure that our members or employees are, that are motivated, engaged, and focused on delivering for our, our clients. Did they start out as a pure play IT uh, consulting company and grow from there? We, we have, we've started as a, a pure play IT company. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, we've grown significantly through acquisitions. Uh, what is now CGI Federal came from AMS. We've had a number of acquisitions along the way. Uh, we've had um, Stanley, we had TerraThink, we've had uh, a number of other critical acquisitions, even Array, uh, talking about a year and a half ago. Uh, the backbone of how we've grown has been a combination of organic growth, focusing on expanding our breadth and depth within the client space. And we've always been strategic in terms of our approach in the market and looking at uh, opportunities to grow inorganically as well. So it sounds like IT is still the foundation of what you do, uh, but what else is in your business book and how does it, you know, how do you leverage that yeah. IT expertise in I, other areas? IT has been core to everything we've done since our founding. However, there are a number of elements that we, that's in our portfolio, such as a number of business process outsourcing initiatives that a lot of people really don't know us for, that we have been a part of for a number, literally decades. Uh, one thing that many people don't know about CGI Federal is that if you have applied for a U.S. passport, that passport was processed and built and delivered to you by CGI. We do that across a number of other instances as well, looking at um, support for the Section 8 housing program. And in the defense sector, we have actually uh, partnered with the U.S. Marine Corps to, uh, to drive some of their uh, logistics programs for prepositioning of armament and and capabilities uh, for the last 31 years. So that's uh, good to know since I just had my passport renewed about six months ago. Uh, you're, you're welcome. The, the CGI Federal was behind that. Uh, so, you know, you obviously have a diverse customer base as well within the federal sector. What's your what's your 30-second pitch uh, when you got the opportunity to talk to a federal official? Um, mm -hmm. You know, how do you describe what um, CGI Federal does? CGI has been in, in the forefront of looking at driving innovation, driving digital transformation, and driving efficiency within IT and business processing for the, for the better part of the last 50 years. Uh, we continue to do that. We actually have capabilities around uh, some of our financial management in-house capabilities we've developed. There are a number of other things that we do uh, across things like Homeland Security, 
with the, um, the continuous uh, diagnostics and mitigation program. Uh, we've done the financial management program for the Department of Veterans Affairs, as well as a number of clients we've had for a long, long time. So CGI has been at the forefront of providing mission-ready and mission-capable support for federal clients for the better part of the last 50 years we've been in business. So you talked about uh, your want to get a little bit into your strategy and your growth strategy over the years, some organic growth, some mergers mm -hmm. and acquisition. What uh, would you say then is your competitive advantage, uh, you know, compared to other companies in this area? Our competitive advantage really focuses on three, our three stakeholders and our ability to optimize our value proposition across those three stakeholders. We put a lot of focus on our clients. We own their mission as if it was their, as our own. We focus on building our member base. We call our employees members. Uh, and that, that's a big difference in philosophy and culture to go with that. We focus on developing and, and, and providing an enriching experience for our members. And we, it's not uncommon that the average tenure within our members within that CGI spans decades, which is very different from what you see within the federal market. The third is our, our, our shareholders. Uh, we focus on delivering value for our shareholders. Uh, we've done a really good job of doing that over the last uh, entire, in the entirety of the company, all 50 years. And that's something we focus on. We feel that the three, the focus on our three stakeholders go hand in hand with each other. And in terms of what makes us different is our focus, our engagement, and our ability to deliver value, not just for our clients, but for our company as well. Now, as we understand, you're a whole, CGI Federal is a wholly owned subsidiary of CGI, which is a Canadian company. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that organizational structure? Yes. Yeah, so uh, having, having a, a, a parent company that is a foreign owned company requires us to do some things a little differently. We operate under what's called a special security arrangement or an SSA. Now we haven't, that's not uncommon. We have a number of other companies to do that. Uh, and what that means is that um, a lot of the management, the decision making up to our, our board is actually US owned and US managed. That's a critical component to make sure that the, the, the safeguarding of information assets and the protections are live within the uh, laws and regulations to make sure we can actually do work for the federal government, especially in areas like defense, intelligence, space, Homeland Security and others. Does it uh, limit some of the work that you can do, uh, or does it uh, affect some of your teaming partners who you decide to all. work with? No, not at all. The, the SSA is structured in such a way where it gives us the flexibility to prosecute a full the full scope of the book of business available to us. It does not limit us in any way, shape, or form in terms of our ability to partner, our ability to build an ecosystem of uh, small business partners, et cetera. Uh, or pursue business within any client space uh, that's available to us. So from the customer perspective, this is completely transparent? The customers will, in, in terms of how we operate, the customer sees no difference between us and anybody else. Great. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you know, this, uh, the customers a bit, uh, what you're mm -hmm. seeing kind of in the federal landscape right sure. now. Maybe in two different areas. One are the, the, uh, the strengths and opportunities and others are the weaknesses and threats uh, within the marketplace right now. So where, where would you like to start? So, uh, strengths and, uh, <laughs> sure. and, and opportunities? You know, someone told me a long, long time ago that the federal, the federal IT and the federal government sector is quote unquote recession, recession proof, <laughs> right? I've learned to not know what that means because we have certainly ups and downs in this market. But we are in a growing market. The federal government is seeking to transform uh, their business processes, leverage technology to increase their effectiveness and their efficiency. Um, we're seeing that continue to be their uh, critical component to their mission uh, going forward. Uh, we don't see that slowing down in any, bit of, in any way, shape, or form. Um, federal budgets continue to grow. The, the focus on citizen services continues to be there. And uh, we have some critical and emerging challenges that requires us to make the requisite investment to be able to take on those challenges, whether it's uh, military 
uh, intervention, and we have uh, conflicts across. We have now two conflicts uh, actively engaged across Africa and Europe. We have um, uh, critical threats that we're positioning for in other theaters. And um, when it comes to the Department of Defense, uh, your old beat, uh, really there are three things that drive it. Force readiness, modernizing the, the legacy infrastructure, including systems, including platforms, et cetera, and increasing and improving force readiness. The mission, those three elements of that mission hasn't changed. We don't think it'll change, and we don't see a change in the horizon. Now, like any other business, there are challenges, and um, there are things that keep us all up at night. Um, this, the flip side of the coin, when people say this is a recession-proof business, that may be true when you think about it from the commercial lens. But if you come to a federal lens, there are some significant challenges that are inherent in our business that may not exist other places. We talk about, we're in a, a, a fiscal year by fiscal year budget cycle. Uh, and we are beholden to that cycle in terms of ensuring that there's funding for programs, there's funding for contracts, uh, and there's funding for initiatives that we have within the government space. Um, at the same time, we sometimes are in a situation where the government, for many myriads of reasons, may not have a, an active budget. We go into the, the CR, the continuing resolution cycle. That brings some challenges with us. And there's some truncation of, of spend. Uh, we have to adjust to that. And we've lived in CRs now for a number of years. We've gotten used to doing it. But what's an emerging threat on the horizon is, you know, we have a debt ceiling issue coming up that, may, that has the potential of a government shutdown. That has a significant impact on how we operate because there's the potential for stoppage of work. There's the potential for impact of some of the, 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 the time and materials and cost reimbursable based contracts. And we have to be able to prepare for that as we go forward. Um, with that said, right, uh, if you've been in this business for any duration of time, this is not the first time we've seen that, whether fortunate or unfortunate. And we have gotten to a point where we've, we've developed a lot of our strategies around mitigating some of the challenges that come with, with challenges in the federal funding cycle. So we are watching it like everybody else. Um, it is something that we kind of make sure we are preparing for. Uh, and if it happens, we are positioned to do the things we need to do. And if it doesn't, that's certainly good things. But the, the strengths, this is a very, very strong market. There is a lot of innovation being driven here. Uh, I think compared to our commercial counterparts in the, in the commercial sector, I think there's more innovation being driven here because there's a need to provide support for mission critical areas of the, of the, of the, of the government, whether it's defense, homeland security, veterans affairs, uh, state department, you name it. Uh, but there are some associated threats that are very unique and very different that can have a significant impact on how we operate. I look forward to getting a little bit more into uh, the, the broader market impacts here uh, in the next segment. Yep. You're listening to the Business of Defense with our guest, Horace Blackman from CGI Federal. We'll be right back. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome back to the Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. I'm talking with Horace Blackman, Senior Vice President for Defense, Intelligence, and Space at CGI Federal. Horace leads a team of professionals who provide mission-critical support for the Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, Army, Space Force, and other government agencies. And he was recently named one of the top DOD executives to watch in 2023 by Washington Exec. Horace, I'd like to get a little bit into your, your background. Uh, how did you get into this, uh, into this area, into the federal workspace and the IT space? 
So I, I came, you know, when I graduated from college, I, I went into what was the burgeoning um, dot-com space at the time, spent some time at, at America Online AOL, and that got, that developed a passion in me for technology and the, and the vision of what technology can do to, to change business and change the way we're doing it. Uh, spent some time as a management consultant, and uh, for the better part of the last, I'd say, going on 25 years, which has been a very fast 25 years, I've been focused on the, the federal IT space. First within the healthcare space, I spent some time at the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, and it, that, that experience there drew me to the mission, and I've worked in the intersection of uh, healthcare and defense for the, better part, for the entirety of that 25 years. Uh, for me, um, the focus, for me, I have a passion around helping to transform how the government does, does business by leveraging technology. And I've been very fortunate to have worked with a number of great organizations being a part of CGI has been a phenomenal experience uh, to date. <clears throat> We're able to take a lot of the technology, whether it's been developed in the commercial arena, whether it's been developed in, in, um, within a federal space, and uh, really analyze some of the emerging technologies to be able to help to transform how we do business. A good example of that is um, CGI. We've been working with the U.S. Marine Corps for the last 31 years to, uh, to develop a program um, called MCPEC, the Marine Corps uh, Platform Integration Center down at uh, Blunt Island in uh, Florida. Great, that's a great example because it's inherently an incredibly labor-intensive process of inventorying supplies, equipment, et cetera, that's going on and off pre-positioning ships to be deployed. Uh, and in the old days, you'd have a, a Lance Corporal, Marine Corps Lance Corporal, with a clipboard checking things off as it comes on and off the ship. Uh, by leveraging technology such as RFID, uh, looking at uh, uh, now 5G and other capabilities, we can not only uh, rapidly inventory what's going on in all those ships in a, a fraction of the time. We can account for all of it because we don't have the, the human error associated with someone checking off a clipboard of what's going on in all the ships. Secondly, by s leveraging things like RFID, you can smart tag things and you can actually use that, that technology to be able to tell not just whether a Humvee came on and off the ship, but we can tell whether or not the tires in that Humvee needs to be changed or all the oil needs to be changed or what, what the maintenance cycle on a lot of those assets are. And from there, we can leverage things such as robotic, robotics. So the inventory in the warehouses, we've taken that out of the hands of, of a human being, and we have a robot that can actually um, uh, circle the warehouse at night, take inventory, account for what's there. Uh, in one instance, uh, between the delta between the, the legacy process and the new process, there was, we, there was, a, there was a $12 million worth of equipment instantly found. Um, because it was certainly there, um, it was actually there all along, um, just able to find it because of technology was able to do that. That's an example of leveraging emerging technology to support a mission that uh, had been there for a long time. And not just support the mission, but improve the quality of that mission. We took some of the errors and, uh, out of it, improved the quality, reduced the manual intensiveness of it, and help the Marine Corps focus uh, on the mission and be more effective at doing that. Can you talk a little bit about uh, you know, expectation management? It seems like you know when we see something that uh, is working in the private sector and working well, you know everybody goes out today online and buys something uh, through Amazon or some other platform. It's it's pretty seamless, pretty simple. And then when you try to take that into government, uh, it it becomes challenging. Sure. Um, why is that in in your view? And and uh, does that create uh, again challenges from an expectation standpoint, from from a customer standpoint? That, hey, I can get this in the private sector. Why can't we get it in government? Is there an issue with scalability? Is it issue with rules, regulations, policies? Is it cyber related? What's the challenge? Well, really the challenges come down to three things. And you hit on one of them. One is scale. 
even organizations as large as places like Amazon and some of the, the major retailers and uh, fulfillment places you have, as large as we think they are, the federal government is literally orders of magnitude larger. And if you scale um, those things, that the processes break down and it leads to inefficiency and the costs would go up significantly. If you, so one, if you think about uh, looking at moving uh, material and people around, um, you would, I think an Amazon warehouse may, may look maybe dwarfed by some of the warehouses that you see uh, within the military in terms of pre-positioning and deployment. Um, you think about a place like uh, Naval Station Norfolk. It is the largest naval base on the planet. And that's just one, <laughs> right? So as you think about the movement of equipment that's got to go on a literally a moving city, that is an aircraft carrier, it has to support, um, it has to support 5,000 people um, that's detached away, right? Little things to give you the scope, right? If you think of the role of, of support ships that the military has to, that operates to support aircraft carriers, I will give you one example of just the sheer scope of it. Um, when a supply ship pulls alongside an aircraft carrier to do underway replenishment, they move equipment, they move fuel, they move food. Well, let's just focus on the food item. There are 5,000 people on that ship. That, the, the sailors who are operating that from the Naval Supply Corps have 15 minutes to move something like eggs across. That aircraft carrier is going to consume 15,000 eggs mm -hmm. per day. And they have to move that many eggs across and have less than 15 minutes to do it or those eggs will spoil. That is the logistical challenge in likes of which uh, even the best and most sophisticated uh, online retailers don't have to deal with. And that's just eggs. Right? As we think about other things, whether it's perishables, whether it's uh, fuel or what's not, the scale and, and complexity of the logistics uh, of, the, of the military and, and the government is significant. The second is um, the complexity of the environment. Uh, you're operating in a, 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 a battlefield in a combat operation, an operation that has to support combat operations, which is something that a lot of the commercial uh, entities don't have to deal with. You're looking at, in case of the government, you're dealing with some of the largest healthcare delivery organizations on the planet. Uh, and so the scale, the complexity, the mission focus, you're operating a lot of no-fail missions. Uh, the third is, you're doing so uh, in an environment where you're under constant threat and constant attack from a cybersecurity perspective. The posture you have to maintain, the rigor of those system, the, the, the inherent security that needs to go into those to protect the data, protect the information, and maintain the integrity of the system as you deliver citizen services is unlike many others. You hear a lot about commercial entities suffering from cyber attacks, uh, data exfiltration, loss, et cetera. Uh, it's a much bigger deal and the, 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 the tolerance and the expectation from the general public for the government to maintain their, their information, to maintain the security of those assets is probably of paramount. Now, you've, uh, your career has spanned both the, the private sector and the public sector. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that gives you some advantage in, in understanding some of those, those challenges on the government side a little bit uh, better, a little bit deeper? Uh, and so when you're designing, developing solutions mm -hmm. from a public sector side, you can tailor those to meet some of those unique nuances of the, the government public sector environment. Oh, no question about it. I spent a lot of time in the commercial sector and I spent a lot of time in the government sector. And I, I will tell you this, um, I'm in the government sector now because I think the nature of the challenges, the, the sophistication, the, um, the ability to transform is a lot faster on the government side as in the private sector. 
I think the private sector moves, is viewed as innovative, but in reality, the private sector has pockets that move very fast, but as a rule, they tend to not, they, they don't, they're not standardized, they don't all move the same, different companies move at different speeds. Uh, I'll give you an example, something as simple as, as, uh, as, as agile-based development and working in a DevOps environment. I think every single federal agency you come across is either working, to, working in an agile-based development in a DevOps environment, they're at some level of implementing it, or they're working towards it. I think if you stepped into the private sector, you're going to find a myriad of situations where you have a few, but the vast majority is just not at the same level where the government is. Uh, the adoption of technology like the cloud. I think the government has been an early mover in mass and at scale, looking at, at implementing the cloud um, uh, much, much faster than, um, than the private sector. You hear a lot about the digital natives, uh, companies that were born digitally, some of the social media companies, et cetera. You hear a lot about them. But for every one of those, there are massive, you know, 50, 100-year-old manufacturing organizations, uh, service delivery organizations, uh, companies that have been around and have legacy infrastructure and systems that date back 40, 50 years that are still in operation. Um, so I think understanding where the technology is from an emerging perspective is really helpful, and that's what you get from the private sector perspective. But in the government space, you, there is a desire to move there, the, the perception that government moves slowly, and I hear that a lot. Uh, my experience is it's just not the case. Now, obviously, uh, you've had a very successful career, and uh, you've probably benefited from uh, mentors along the way. Um, you're at the point now where you're probably getting to mentor others. What advice do you have for people just starting out uh, in this uh, line of work, in this business, uh, uh, whether working for the federal government or working in the private sector supporting the federal government? So a couple of things I tell people, right? One. Um, Take risks. Don't be reckless, but take risks. Try something that might not sound so exciting. You might find that it actually is when you get into it. That's the first thing. Uh, two, um, it, is, it is a marathon, not a sprint. There is a, there's a, there's a sense, uh, I mentor a number of folks, that when you come in, you've got to check certain boxes and move ahead. Uh, I think if you take a step back and focus on how much you can learn and where, the, where you can develop critical skills that will help you evolve not just in terms of today's technology, but position you to be a lifelong learner, I think is a critical element that's gonna enable you to succeed long-term. Third is uh, I always look for folks who are committed to the mission. Uh, my perspective is you can teach anybody any technology, and you can teach them how to do any role, but you can't teach them to have a commitment to the mission and a focus on trying to add value and trying to help government be better uh, out of a, just a patriotic nature. I think if you think about those three, for someone coming out of, of, of college, come someone entering whether it's a career with the government or as a contractor, I think if you focus on those three things, you'd have a pretty long and rich career. Yeah, sage advice. I wish somebody had passed that on to me earlier on in my career. I think you did just fine. <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> I'd like to thank today's guest, Horace Blackman, Senior Vice President for Defense, Intelligence, and Space at CGI Federal, for his insights into CGI Federal's mission, culture, and strategy, as well as his assessment of the defense contracting competitive landscape and opportunities to provide value to federal clients. Join ASMC and nearly 4,000 defense financial managers from around the world this month at our annual Professional Development Institute in St. Louis, Missouri. And watch us again next month, where we bring you inside the companies working to drive transformation in the defense sector, to hear directly from their business leaders, and to understand how they create value for their companies 
and their customers. I'm Rich Brady, CEO at the American Society of Military Comptrollers, and I thank you again for joining us. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ASMC. Thank you for listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network.